Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for another role. Hello! <laughs> Welcome to Season 33, Episode 7 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Clara. I'm Ingie. And I'm Courtney. In today's episode, our topic is, what was it about your first time playing an RPG, a TTRPG specifically, that made you want to do it again? So that should be a fun conversation. I can't wait to hear everybody's answers. Think about that now. And then we have emails. First one is from Captain Kurt in Alaska. And he asks what a new player should experience in their first session. Obviously, our topic was somewhat inspired by that email. And then Rose needs advice on having ADHD and staying engaged at the table, or virtually also. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send us emails. We yes. need them. Okay. <laughs> we like that. The like show them. runs on emails. Yes, they do. <laughs> it does. We're low on gas. <laughs> We're running on fumes. Please send emails. Announcements. Game Days was yesterday, Saturday, Woo-hoo. January 13th, and it was an amazing success. Woo! I think there were like 11 games that were put up, and almost all of them filled. It was great. Everyone had a really wonderful time. We had a whole bunch of new people from the dis- on the Discord playing, and just a wonderful, great experience. Thank you to everyone who ran games, especially, and thank you also to everyone who came and played in games. Incredible stuff. Everything from like very traditional games too. Like there was one that was like, let's design a game together. I saw that. Yeah, so it's like, we have there this huge gradient of like old school traditional gaming to like the weirdest stuff in the new like storytelling. It's it's pretty amazing. And it's such a, so great that our community has like all the flavors of gamer and they get get along together. It's like, (laughs) so happy. And the next one will be in March. So if you join the Discord, we'll probably in the next week or two vote on what day of March, which Saturday we will have the next game days. So if you want to play, go vote. So that way we pick a day that's good for you. Oh. Yep. Also, OrcCon is coming up. It is February 16th through 19th at the beautiful Hilton LAX. Beautiful. The Hilton at LAX. The <laughs> I, airport. I sense a, a little bit of sarcasm. I mean, it, yes, it's not good. But it's beautiful. Well, you'll be there, and that's what matters. Yeah, <laughs> it's super the event good. is amazing. So come. It's run by the Strategic on Conventions. They have three a year. We always go to them. We'll be doing our live shows Saturday nights. We'll be a little drinky. We'll have a mm-hmm. live studio audience telling stories about the games we ran. All that stuff. Very fun. What? Right. You look like you're about to say something. No, I just. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Okay. Yeah, and if you, I think it's about getting drinky. It's about getting <laughs> drinky. Yeah, definitely. It's about Kadave and getting drinky. Yeah, oh, he does that. I've been um, drinky with Kadave. Yeah. So if you want to come, you can go to strategicon.net, I think. You can buy passes, things. If you're flying in, the airport's right there. It's literally right there. And you can play in games and games that are run by Happy Jack's crew. So I'll be running games. Hopefully, many other people will be running games. It'll be fun. What if I run a game? Do it. Run a game. My very first, yeah, my very first jamming experience was at Strategicon. 
Like, that was damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't do things by halves. I jump in the deep end. I'm like, I can do this. Yeah. That and was the yeah. first time I ever DM'd at a at a convention was mm-hmm. at Strategicon. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's a super yeah. and and if you're nervous about like signing up for games, there's a really amazing games on demand section now that's run by a friend of the show, Tomes. I mean, he's really on the show, but he's not on the show very often anymore. But yeah, there's a whole whole so great a thing. friend, whether he likes it or not. Total yeah, friend. Hangs out with us. Blood and blood out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big hugs every time we see him. Yeah. So come join us at the Hilton LAX. And it's really not a bad hotel. It's 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 a fine hotel. It's great. I don't know. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's great. Like, but the con is what's worth going Yeah, the for. con is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Indie designer of the month. We have Christopher Gray, a.k.a. Sundered Holds Scriptorium. <laughs> and you can find all his games at sunderedhold.com. And that's S-U-N-D-E-R-E-D-H-O-L-D.com. And this week we're talking about Highcaster. Last week we talked about Dungeoncaster, which is the system that he's designed. Highcaster is a game in the Dungeoncaster system with a world that he is like written out and fleshed out in a whole bunch of ways. So in Highcaster, the gods fell from the night sky, destroying civilization and cutting the realm off from divinity. Centuries later, civilizations are emerging once again, even as magical corruption spreads. It is now time, a time of heroes who are destined to forge a new Highcaster. It's a new fantasy TTRPG rule set using Dungeoncaster, which we talked about last week. And you play as one of seven cultures. And then there's nine heritages, which are kind of what he's using instead of like species. And then those heritages, those nine heritages can be found in all seven of the cultures. So you're not finding a a fantasy world where it's like, this is the elf culture and this is the dwarf culture. So like the different heritages are spread throughout. So you can be one of those and any culture you want, which I love. Also, you can play as a unicorn. Oh. Which I love. That got our attention. Mm -hmm. Special interest. Yes. Like the first time I looked at the art in the front of this, I was like... Oh my gosh, look at there's such a cool unicorn. That's so neat. He's like, you can be a unicorn. I was like, oh, what? He's like, like, I literally put that in there for you. I was like, I love it. <laughs> I don't know if he was really serious or if he was just telling me that because I wanted to hear that, but no, I want to play. I want to play unicorn too. We should have an all I mean, unicorn high game. Yeah. I have high semester. Wow. 100%. I have not had the chance to really go through it because I. <laughs> A lot of people kickstart their books all at once, and then yeah. you get them all at once for some reason. Oh I'm looking at all of my friends who write books now. Yeah. yeah. I own so many TTRPGs, and there's so many I still have not read because there's so many of them. But, yes. And uh, so you can get it for $19.99 at drivethru or at standardhold.com. But there are lots of freebies, too, if you want to go check it out. There's, like, free gens you can look at and things like that if you want to think about it before you make your purchase. And, yeah, that's Sunderedhold.com. And again, that is Highcaster. 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 <laughs> Highcaster. Okay. We all did weird voices. You have to do weird voices. I, I, Highcaster. <laughs> okay. Good. Well done. Good job. Awesome. Awesome. Like a fart, like a question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Topic for this week. What 
was the first TTRPG that you ever played? And what part of that first session experience, or maybe it wasn't the first one, maybe you hated the first one, you liked one later, but part of that first experience made you want to do it again? My favorite part of these topics are that you don't know them until you guys show up. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, ha, on the spot, pop quiz. <laughs> Tell me about, about a meaningful moment. Oh, me to start? All right, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, I'll start. My very first TTRPG experience, I think I was like 12 or 13. And my older sister was playing with her boyfriend and a couple of other friends. And I hated it. I was bored. <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. A few years later, a friend of mine says, hey, come over. We'll, we'll try D&D. It was like three of us. Again, I was bored and I hated it. And the only thing I remember is that my friend made me hot chocolate by just like turning the sink tap to hot and then put that. The, and I was like, this is awful. That's how bad of experience I was. So for me, my first It's positive, a miracle you're here. I know. Yeah. Absolute miracle. My first positive experience came in college because I used to be like, no, I hate tabletop RPGs. I hate D&D. It's boring. And then a bunch of friends of mine in college were, I kept hearing them talk about a game that they were playing and it was based on the anime Slayers. Well, I also happen to hate Slayers. I'm like, this <laughs> this sounds terrible. Oh, but no. I kept hearing about how much fun they were having and they were telling the stories <laughs> and these adventures. So I was like, can I try? <laughs> can I play? So I ended up making like a, a barbarian chef who like fought with an enchanted walk and a cleaver mm-hmm. and it was just nice. crazy and that's how like I met my boyfriend at the time was through that group and I don't know what it was there was just something very fun and silly but there was still like danger and adventure and after that first experience with the group like I kept playing with those guys for the next couple of years and I've been hooked ever since awesome that's amazing they canceled each other out they like, did mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yeah there we go I have a dumb, I have a couple dumb, like, first TTR. I, we, my parents do not know where I got the knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons. Only that, like, I had bardic knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and I was in <laughs> second grade, and I was at a sleepover with all of my friends, and there were, like, 12 little girls, and I made them play Dungeons and Dragons. I did not know how this game worked. <laughs> But I did, yes. I had a, I knew I had a graph, I needed graph paper mm-hmm. and I knew there were dice involved. That is technically the first time I played D&D, a TTRPG. I made it up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's I my, my first time too. Yeah, well, on was, brand for you. Yeah. I had looked at all the books and tried to read them, but like those first edition D&D books are like indecipherable, especially for like somebody who's in grade school. And <laughs> I'm like, well, I want to do this anyway. And so yeah. I just started, I was like, roll a d20 and they were like 13 and i'm like fuck it sounds good yeah that's exactly <laughs> how i did it yeah no it was peak like i can't that sign can't stop me i can't read but no i later got into it like in about third grade the parents of the kid who had the sleepover was like we should actually teach them how to play D <laughs> and parents. One of, yeah one of the teachers at the school at my elementary school was like yeah let's get a little party together and so he like walked us through 3.5 my first character was a surprising no one half elf druid because at the time you could still have animal companions. So I had a wolf. Mm-hmm. It was peak anime. It was peak magical girl. Uh, <laughs> I did play that character through high school in that way for, well, for a while, dropped it. And then the second half of the soundbite I give to everyone is that I dropped it for a couple of years. And then my senior year of high school is really into these this guy 
And he and his friends played D&D. And I was like, I'll fucking learn. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, our GM doesn't want to GM anymore. I was like, I'll do it. I've d- I used to play D&D. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I owned every fourth edition book because I used to work at Barnes & Noble. And oh, yeah. I, I learned to run and it did not work. That, that person no longer knows I exist, I think. I super <laughs> hope so. I don't even know if her friends on Facebook. Oh, but like, yeah, truly just got back into it to impress a boy. Did not work. Does actually work, though. I will, I will say, like, if you're trying to be a fake gamer girl, do it. Eventually, <laughs> it does work. Fake it till you make it. Fake yeah. it till you make it. It's also like you might get a fun hobby. You reminded me of a story. Oh, no. It's slightly out of time, but I have sure. That's so, fine. Speaking of fourth edition and impressing a boy. <laughs> so I never played fourth edition. I played three and 3.5 for a while, and then I went straight to five. But I tried online dating for a while. I hated it. I, mm-hmm. I hate doing that. Terrible. I like that this is going. Oh, <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Till you get to the punchline. So <laughs> guy hits me up and we go out and we have lunch and we're, you know, I do, he plays D&D. So I'm asking about stuff and he's telling me about fourth edition, which I've never played. I felt the whole time like I was interviewing him and I realized like he never asked anything about me. And by the end of this lunch date, I was like, wow, this guy is so not into me in the slightest. Oh, well, we became friends. That man was Matthew Mercer. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> We're still pals. I worked on Crit Roll for three years after that. It was yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, but that was like my delightfully awkward lunch date with Matthew Mercer. <laughs> Just me asking about fourth edition. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a rough... Listen, fourth edition's rough to get anyone to be That's true. Uh, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> fourth edition is apparently not really impressive enough to get people together. So yeah. now we know. Yeah. It's fine. You get bogged down in that combat. Peer reviewed. That's what I hear. I will mm-hmm. say, I do like fourth edition for uh, yeah, I do. side reasons. <laughs> yeah. I never played it. Mm-hmm. I, it really comes into its own as a battle game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I hear, well, I hear, you know, it was made to be coupled with this VTT and they never released the VTT. So it was very like MMO, like friendly. So if mm-hmm. you knew about MMOs, then it was super easy. To yeah. Like yeah. In. And I liked the things that they have in there. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got tanks. I like controllers. Like, I'm, oh, oh my I God. Love, like, I love uh, the way they divided those. Yeah. Like, I still think of, game, of it in those terms. Yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I, I'm always like creating an encounter, and I'm like, I need a controller. For this. <laughs> uh, yeah, the coolest thing. Like, how to balance this? Do you need a leader? Yeah, I have like, no idea what these people are talking about. I've never played Fourth Edition. <laughs> if you like, it's combat. really, it's really World of Warcraft that <laughs> okay. we're talking about. Okay. That's what we're. That's what Sorry, we're, I played Final Fantasy Eleven. Uh, I don't know. Why. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I played tabletop RPGs a few times, but not like it never actually worked well. Like middle school, They're and then. Stuck. Yeah, it was, re- and then I got really into like World of Warcraft and MMOs. So why would I play tabletop RPGs? Until this guy named Stu like was like, "Hey, I'm." We'd been talking about games and stuff at the Renaissance Fair for a really long time, and there's nothing else to do between shows but sit in chairs behind the stage and talk about stuff, so and also did, drink and drink. Well, <laughs> drinking and talking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Those are not mutually exclusive yeah, activities. Yeah. We can do both at the same time. <laughs> Technically, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This what? podcast. We don't, we don't drink at fair. Oh, yes. Yeah. None of us drink at fair no anymore. It's against fair. the rules if you work at fair to be drinking. I mean, technically, it's always been against the rules. Well, I don't work at fair, so I can drink. 
Yes. I, I employ a family right. member. Her name is Courtney. <laughs> yes. You're not even allowed to drink if you buy the alcohol there. I think you're allowed to no. I will no. say I am not a better performer when I drink, no. so I tend to not do it anyway and not examine the rule too hard. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think you're not allowed to bring alcohol. If you purchase the alcohol from the Renaissance Fair itself, and then you, are, I think, are allowed to. That's just like liability stuff. Yeah. I get it. I will yeah. tell anyone who's at a table with me, if you bring me alcohol, you don't get Benny's, but I do like you more. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it was like fun. Like it was my friends. It was something that was like, we were just talking about this fourth edition. So I was really familiar with how Oh, hey, okay, I'm a warlock. I'm a caster. I made a warlock specifically because I was a warlock in our World, World of Warcraft right. guild. That's right. And I was a big DPSer for our raids. Um, melted bases. I did. I melted so many bases. <laughs> Just like massive on the like damage thing. I loved it. But so that was like something I felt really comfortable with. So I made base. I, made, I even named her Adina, which is the same as mm. my World of Warcraft character. <laughs> and yeah, it, it was... Something I was very familiar with, and it was fun. And it was neat. And then I remember we'd been playing for a little while, and there was like one session, and I don't even remember what the conversation was anymore. But it ended up being, and it was long before we started recording APs. But that was a massive game. There was like eight people playing that game. It, it fluctuated between like eight and ten people at any time. Yeah. But there was one night where we had like no combat. Bruce's thief had done something kind of shitty because Bruce's thieves always did something kind of shitty, but it always came back around and kind of helped everybody in the end. So we all like trusted him with that. Like you have to trust the shitty thief player and we trusted mm -hmm. the player and his thief was shitty, but Bruce is not shitty. So it always turned out <laughs> fine. But I don't even remember what it was, but something happened and Tappy and Stork and, my, and I like in character ended up having this like pseudo argument conversation thing that just was like enthralling mm -hmm. and it was like this massive thing and we all like got done with it finally and everyone just kind of sat back on and then i was like oh this is fucking cool <laughs> yeah and like oh it's fun like there's a thing like when you have like stew and stork and tappy who are all like hardcore role players like nod like you did a good job like i was like <laughs> i did i can do this fuck yeah like I don't know. It was just like this cool moment where I felt really validated. And like, we'd had this moment where we kind of lost, even though we were friends who'd known each other for mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. we got past that for a few minutes and we forgot. And we weren't those, we weren't the friends anymore. We were our characters. Yeah. Yeah. And that, when that clicked, that was really interesting. And then when we, that clicked out and we were all able to go like, yeah, that was so cool. Like as friends back again, that was just an incredible Flip experience. It was just really neat. And that's when I was like, okay, I want to stick on it. <laughs> and I'm in. And I'm in. Yeah. And then shortly after that, we started the podcast and stuff. So <laughs> that was like the moment that I just like felt it click. Like, this is a thing that I'm staying with. <laughs> yeah. One day a therapist will unpack why I need Stu's approval so badly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got dad issues. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. It's actually fun. It turns out role playing with your friends. Yeah. yeah. Fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, I my first game was when I was five. We went and we were visiting my cousin in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I think just to like keep me and my brother busy or something, he like brought us into like I don't even, I don't know what the room was for. I can't really remember the room, except that I went back recently and I was like, oh my God, you're in the same house. That's the room I first played D D in. Wasn't there a piano or something? Maybe I'm mixing up stories. Maybe. Okay, so. I don't know. But he, yeah, he though. like opened the books <laughs> and was showing us like the monster manuals up. And these are some like real, like 
This is late 70s? Mm-hmm. I guess 78. <laughs> and he was like, what? And he made us characters and took us through a thing. I think we killed some goblins or something. And he was like, we're going to make... I remember very distinctly him being like, we're going to make you a, um, a hobbit thief because you're small like a hobbit. They have hair on their feet. And I remember him like poking his finger on my foot and being like, are you going to have a hairy feet? Spoilers. Yes. Um, <laughs> not like Hobbit Harry, but bad Harry. Rapidly, rapidly updating your wiki feet, though. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, and I was just like kind of obsessed from that moment. My brother got the books and I stole them. I still have them. But I would like just pour over them over and over again. And at the time it was like, you know, you were just graph papering out a a dungeon and going in, kicking down doors, killing orcs, getting treasure. And it wasn't until I had done the Renaissance Fair, mm-hmm. you know, because all through junior high and high school, I played stuff. I kicked D&D to the curb at like second edition and was like, I want something that's like more realistic. And I made my own stuff. I made a thing called Lasers and Lizards when I was like 10 years old nice. because I wanted a sci-fi version of Dungeons and Dreads. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> With Z's. Lasers, yeah. Lasers and lizards. One Z and then lay. Yes, they, that, that's actually it exactly. Because yeah, Z makes everything cooler. It yeah, does. It does. Yeah, it does. And if you're that old, that's how you think lasers are spelled, because that makes that sound. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I am this old, and I still sometimes forget how to spell laser. <laughs> well, I won't go into that. It's always a huge letdown when it's an S. <laughs> I have a whole thing. I know, it really is. It really should um, be. Yeah, a group of guys that I, or a guy that I played, gigged without at the Renaissance Fair, Dane, was like, hey, we have a gaming yeah. group, and I wanted to know if you wanted to join it. We play Champions, mm-hmm. superhero game, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. And I'd never played before, and he gave me a pre-gen that he had made called Short Stuff. He was a, <laughs> he was a super brick, so he had, like, massive strength. Really great defenses, but he was also like four, four and a half feet tall, green with a flat head. And I just decided he was super, he was an alien, but he was super into pop culture. And there were, with that group, that was the first time that we would have like big, like, like you were talking about, Kimmy, where we would have these big role play moments. Yeah. And at the end of many nights with that group, we'd be like, and that's where we're going to leave it for the night. And everyone would go like, oh, shit. And like lean back in their chairs and we'd need to like just breathe for a minute. And then you're out at your car with your friend and we're talking until like two, three in the morning sometimes. And it's in that group for like five years. And that was some of the best role playing I've ever done. And that was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is way better than like kicking down doors and norms. (laughs) Yeah. Stuff I did in junior high was hilarious. One of the guys that I played with back then would make these experience dungeons. So you'd step on a trap and it could be like 10,000 experience points or gold <laughs> or a, and they're just like what? random squares in like a dungeon. Mario boxes. You hit Hold it on, on your head with your head. And- yeah. Hold on, I'm stealing that. Not for like to give people experience, but just the thing of like, it's trapped. Just figure it out. Like uh-huh. basically Tomb of Horrors, but like yeah, better. Exactly. And <laughs> it was like, too. yeah, because there was so much like Saber Die back then. And, mm-hmm. and then there were also Saber Die. And then Running Man came out. <laughs> and so he devised these dungeons where we would ride these like carts down like a chute 
just like in Running Man, and you'd get experience. And then, like, once we went through one of those dungeons, we'd have enough experience to go out and do some actual adventuring, and we'd always, like, kill an ancient red dragon on our first adventure, and then we'd be able to go out and do what we really wanted. And instead of just, like, being... Like, oh, you have a bunch of gold, and you start at level 10, and we're just going to go out and do stuff. Like, we had to go through this weird... <laughs> experience shoot, yeah. yes. Yeah, experience shoot. I love that you mentioned, the like, the decompression, like, afterwards. Yes. Like, sometimes after you have, like, an amazing game, and you're, like, ending at, like, 9 or 10, whatever, and you're just, like, so ramped up. It's the same as, like, if you've ever been in, like, when you're in high school, if you were in theater, if you were in, like, football or any sport or whatever, like, the high you get after a big event, Mm -hmm. and it just takes you a while, and you just have to talk about that event until your teenage brain, like, chills the fuck out, and you're like, okay, I'm ready to sleep right now. Yeah. So like, what do you mean teenage brain? Because I still do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I need yeah. to yeah. talk from a LARP. I can't sleep yeah. Friday of LARP because my brain just doesn't shut up. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the coolest feeling. And I think that's one of those quintessential feelings that mm-hmm. everybody who's played a TTRPG, not every session necessarily, but gosh, there's just some amazing nights where you're just like, I can't sleep. I have to keep thinking about this. I want to go plan right now, or I want to do this, or I want to write up what happened, or I want to just, let's all talk about it forever. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was a little art kid, so I have <laughs> so many notebooks of, like, this is my OC, do not steal, and like, yeah. all of our adventures from D&D, and, like, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's patently not cool. See, I wanted to be that person. Like, I'm the person who buys the perfect journal, and it's like, okay, I'm going to chronicle our D&D adventure in this, and by the second page and then it's empty the rest of the yeah. mm-hmm. Oh no, it was never a chronicle thing. It was like math homework would also have yeah. like my characters all drawn on them and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, no, I did not do well in school. No, me neither. <laughs> I used to do the thing where we did like Yahoo Groups role play, like text stuff. Oh yeah. And so I would be in class and I would look like I was taking notes, but I was actually handwriting my next post. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I was doing. I've done that. Oh, Quite man. Yes. Oh, yeah. I spent so much time in class, like, designing and writing stuff about elven lore for my role-playing guilds and <laughs> stuff like that. Absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. It's all gone now because all of the websites were so, are, like, old and gone. And I'm just oh. like, I should have, like, saved copies of that. Yeah. <laughs> it was I really good. created a game in high school that I called Desertlands. And it was all about post-apocalyptic world that had been killed by a war between the gods and you were running around and then like and it was just a post-apocalyptic role-playing game but then when I started playing champions I was like oh how cool would it be if they were like superheroes in this world were like you know the the offspring Mm -hmm. of these gods and stuff and so they did that and that was like probably one of the darkest most hardcore campaigns I've ever run Wow! because also like as a TV writer, my I tend to want to like as we're ending one thing, I'm seeding the next thing, so yeah. there's no downtime. <laughs> it's just you're constantly yeah. being pulled yeah, into the next yeah. thing, yeah. and like they had to come up to me at one point and be like, "Just let us enjoy, mm-hmm. just for just <laughs> just until next session." You needed a beach episode, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but like I needed to let something end, yeah, before ripping them into the next, next thing, yeah. Yeah. trauma, yeah. <laughs> Give them a chance to have that decomp. The, the characters need to decomp. Mm-hmm. It's like a little. Just a little bit. Just enjoy what they've done before they get snatched away from there. In my Thursday night dandy game, my character will always negotiate. Like, we need a day at the spa if we're going to kill this dragon for you. Mm-hmm. I did get that. I got my day at the spa. Nice. Uh, now we're, yeah, now yeah. we're like fighting a ghost ship. I'm like, you guys better have a hot meal. 
for us when we get back because we're literally walking across the, the ocean so to get back to you. My, my Wednesday night group, when we first started, I would say every fifth adventure was just the food adventure. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, where I'd be like, oh, and you go into this place or you go into this whatever. And they've got, and we all just start talking about the kind of food that everybody's eating yeah. and <laughs> drinks and all that. And one of the guys who's just not a huge, uh, no, I can't even call him that. He's a huge foodie, but he's <laughs> not into that in his game. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just like, are we going to just do another whole night on food? <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, to be fair, I feel that way about shop. Like, mm. I, I get super frustrated with, like, in-game shopping. Unless we're doing it, like, for a purpose. Like, okay, there's something we need to find at this market that's going to, like, be the next clue or whatever it is. Like, that's different. If it's, like, literally just we need this gear. Like, I hate, like, having to do that at the table. I'm yeah. like, please, yeah. in between sessions. I always yeah. tell my players to do that because, like, I don't want to have to look up the prices of stuff. That's my least favorite thing <laughs> yeah. to do. Yeah. Is to, uh, I don't know. 10,000 gold pieces, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> aggressively shallow Clara lore is that I don't do any equipment managing in any game I ever play. Like, I ha- literally pay an assistant in my LARP with, <laughs> with fantasy money. I literally, uh, like, I make my partner do it in Guild Wars. I have made, like, Kimmy do it in TTRBDs we played, I think. Yeah. Um, I made Bill do it for Traveler. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm so bad at under, like, knowing what I need for a character that I just, I would rather go without than have to figure it out. <laughs> um, so I always volunteer in like games to run the beach episode yeah. for my GM. I'm like, let me just, let me just do your stupid game. <laughs> we will have a festival. We will go to a hot spring. We will eat food and we will play volleyball. Yeah, it'll be like, fantastic. it will be good. Yeah. Right, be I'm good. contacting you about like, because I need, <laughs> I need more like downtime episodes. Go, yeah. Literally go to the beach. Or have a festival. Play volleyball. Right. Smash a watermelon. Yeah. Yeah. Also make up a fun side character whose whole thing is the beach festival thing. Mm -hmm. Because I've walked in. So my roommate is in Cordy's game. And I've walked in on her playing her like side character that they do when she runs their beach game. Oh, I was thinking, I was just thinking of that too. His name is Big. Big. He's Big a crab. crab. <laughs> Big crab is, oh, I think he's like an Aussie accent. He has, like, he has an Aussie accent, but none of us can was, really do one. I stole it. I stole it in whole cloth. It's so much fun to do, especially if you're at a table. It's, I think it's a nice thing to give back. And you, if you're at a table and you want to learn to GM mm-hmm. or you want or, or you do GM and I, I think it's like a nice way to kind of like take the weight off of another of your GM's shoulders for just like a yeah. little bit where the stakes just don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. My buddy, Brian, I needed a break for just like a week. And he was like, oh, why don't I run? But instead of like running a different campaign and stuff, I'll just run this one. Mm-hmm. My character will be absent and you can play in it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, I've yeah. never played in my world. And like, it makes me want to cry to this day. That's so fun. I got to play in all Aww. games. Great. Yeah. Everyone else is just like, oh no, I couldn't run your world for you. <laughs> oh no, I want to. That's I want to make you. I want literally make you why I make it. It's yeah, so people can play in it. I, that's why it's on the internet. As a, game, <laughs> as a game designer, the nicest thing that anyone's ever done to, said to me is like, hey, do you want me to run your game so you can play it? It's like, it's all Jason's always good about that. And then when we were at Big Bad Con, a woman named April who designed Thirsty Sword Lesbians, like she played in Starscape. And then like 
she turned around and she's like, do you, do you want me to run this for you so you can play it? And I'm like, I love that you liked it enough to, to want to run it. I have a flight, but like 45 oh, minutes. No. It was so, I was so oh. crushed. I was oh. like, if there was any way I could postpone my flight in this moment, I would do it. And I'm so sorry. This is literally my rolly bag that I'm walking towards the exit. But soon, oh. next time. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's so great. And it, it's, it, it means that they like your world or your game or whatever enough to want to do it so you can experience it too. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the base compliments, right? Yeah. And then one more thing on just the, the exhaling at the end of a game was mm-hmm. when I was in Minnesota for a couple of years, I took over a game and none of the guys in there had played before, including the guy who started the game and was DMing the game. Mm-hmm. And he and I were going home and he was like, all I want to do is play. And I'm like, all I want to do is DM. <laughs> I don't even like playing much. Like, and he was like, can we switch? I'm like, yeah, I'll totally take over. And then to watch them, like, as we would like go out to the parking lot after uh-huh. the day and watch everybody by their cars, just talking about it and like being all lit up. And I was just like, Did this is good. the best. <laughs> Who is the biggest compliment when someone's like, I enjoyed what you created. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really run games, TTRPGs like, but what I used to do is I used to, I used to write shows for the the Dungeon Master show, which was Mm -hmm. kind of like a LARP on stage. Yeah. And I had one friend who was always very critical of the shows and he, they'd say like, you know, what was right, what was wrong. And then one day I wrote a show that I was really proud of and they came up to me and said, that was the best episode I've ever seen of. Thank you so much coming from you. Thank you. Compliment game makers on the work. Compliment your storytellers. Mm-hmm. They will love you. It's the nicest thing you can do for them. And also bring them drinks. We're also full of anxiety. So yeah. please just yes. tell us we're 100%. doing good. Yes. We all have imposter syndrome. Imposter oh, God, syndrome. Yeah. All of us. Speak for yourself. Most of them are different. <laughs> all right. Mailbag, Mailbag number one. Who wants to read it? Ready, Inky, go. All right. Avast ye, Empress of Organization. Tis I, Captain Kurt, writing you from the steamy confines of my bold rat hot tub on this final evening of 2023. (laughs) The hot tub is 104, and surrounding air is 7 degrees, nearly the difference between Pasadena, a Pasadena high noon, and a chilly midnight. It's been an incredible year of gaming for me from a dozen plus players in a local gaming group. My lovely partner, running her first game ever in a Strixhaven campaign, getting to play and run games in incredible game days and JackerCon events, uh, getting to finally meet many of you fine folks in person at Big Bad Con. Woo-hoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting to meet and game with the father of Apocalypse World, Vincent Baker, and finally, just now, getting to play four different games this week. So much of these amazing experience come from the inspiration I have found being a part of this incredible community of the past 14 years. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, Kurt. Mwah. My question. The interest from new to the hobby folks this past year has been at an all-time high. Mainly, the focus has been on learning how to play D&D, but my question is applicable to all TTRPGs. What are the critical components of playing a TTRPG for the first time? Which aspects should new players definitely get to encounter? And what are things that can be tossed for a single intro session? I've found even most quick starts still require prior existing TTRPG knowledge. How do you engage players in only two to three hours? P.S. 
Join the Discord. Ooh. I just did. Oh, like two weeks ago, finally. <laughs> no, Kurt wrote this. He actually had another part, but I've I sort of like spliced two of his emails together because he nice. sent two at once. Thank you, Kurt. We appreciate it. But his topic for the first one we'd already talked about. He was like, please recap. And I we'd already done that as a topic. So sorry about the Franken email, Kurt. Thank you for writing two emails and we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So what are the other than our first experiences, like if you're running a game or you're sitting at a table and there's someone there new, like what, what do you think that they must have? What do you think you can help with ahead of time? So many things. I think the most important thing to start with are just the basic rules and make sure that they understand what they're doing. Because for someone like me who has social anxiety, I literally had a panic attack when I played Seven Wonders for the first time at the con. <laughs> so I'm like with a bunch of people. I don't know them. I cannot figure out how the hell to play this game. And I like had to like go off to the bathroom and, and cry oh, for a minute because I was just really anxious about it. So I think make sure that your players feel comfortable with the system. Be like, these are the different types of dice. Like, you know, for a combat, this is how combat works. You're going to roll a die and you're going to add this. Or... In a role, if you're just doing a role play scene, you might just be talking and then I might ask you to do a check. Well, here's what the check is. Like, make sure that they understand just the really basic rules and start simple. Mm -hmm. Make it more complex as you go. And maybe don't play a mage right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the the different die types is really important. Mm -hmm. That's something that as gamers, we forget. Totally take Mm -hmm. it for granted. Yeah, most people. Every time people are like, Oh yeah, here's a D8, and like, no, that's a D10. Yeah, yeah. I literally used to like line them up on yeah. the carpet as a kid and be like D4, D6, and like all that, and then I'd mix them up and set Just them out again. Them. Yeah, most yeah. people in the world don't realize so, there's anything but the D6, like casino dice. Yeah, like nobody, they, they have no reason to know otherwise unless you, they like had a really creative right. math teacher, <laughs> which I once referred to as a D6, and my friends all nerd. Yeah. <laughs> like damn right. Almost every system now, unless it's like Hecka Indie, has like a, a, a cheat sheet. You can probably find one online. Yeah. If, if you're playing D&D, cheat sheets exist mm-hmm. for very basic actions and rules. And they often have all of the dice listed on yes. them yeah. in little silhouette or something for you to place them on mm-hmm. perfectly where yeah. they go. Mm-hmm. Having a cheat sheet, but my favorite system, KBTA, often has the like hunter moves or like the, you know, player moves and the GM moves. Mm-hmm. And I, I love having that because it gives people a menu that they can choose from. So yeah. when they get anxious, because I think the scariest thing you can do to a new player who's never played a TTRPG in their life, maybe never even heard of one, is give them an open world and then just go like, eh, figure it out. It's Zorch yeah. now or whatever that game is. What do you want to do? Yeah, you can do anything. Yeah. There's nothing worse than when someone's like, hey, what's your favorite song? You're like, I don't actually understand how music works anymore. I've never heard a song in my life. Yeah. I can't well, think of a single one. Yeah. yeah. It's like somebody's going... like, sing a Boggart song. I don't know any Boggart songs. Any. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, that whole, like, the cheat sheet thing you mentioned, that was something that we really wanted to have in Trinity's Wake, which is the Mage 20th anniversary edition mm-hmm. that we're playing on this channel. Um, <laughs> but there's no cheat sheet That's for it. That's different. It's Mage. <laughs> it is Mage. No. <laughs> but but Pucci was saying, like, I wish there was just a cheat sheet that told you, like, those little basic things, and it's not there. So I think that's kind of brilliant. Luckily, Adam is 
very easygoing with the rules. <laughs> They'll explain what we need. And we're like, thank you for holding our hands because none of us know what we're doing in yeah. this system. In fairness, if Puja gets angry enough, they will manifest a cheat sheet. They've done it before. I've <laughs> yeah, seen them do right. it. Yeah, they yeah. do. And something that goes right along with that is bring a ringer. Somebody who oh, God, really yeah. knows the system mm-hmm. and sit the new player next to the <laughs> ringer. Because like, if I'm running, I got a lot of, I got a lot of shit to think about. Ringer's going to take a lot of heat off me. So. Yeah. I think, though, like, especially, like, for non-stream games, like, having the new player sit right next to the GM yeah. can just make them feel better. Like, they can just, like, lean over and, hey, what, what do I do here? And I think even if they end up, like, talking to the ringer more than the GM, just having them sit next to the GM mm-hmm. can be really helpful. That means you get, the GM can, like, look on their sheet and be like, actually, you have this. this one, yeah. Like, it is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like. I think what you're saying about the PBTA games is important, and I love that more systems are having that now. Like uh, for D and D, even you can buy cards that have mm-hmm. all the yeah. different things. And it, it's just beyond is such an asset. Oh my, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you're running D and I know D and D Beyond is like a subscription thing. I kind of hate that part of it, but it really does. All streamline. my players use it for free. Yeah. It, so. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It really does streamline things so much for players. So that's huge. And then you can play in person with it too. Like have it like on tablets or computers or whatever. Even if you're playing in person, you don't necessarily have to use the rollers. You can, but even just clicking on things, it explains all the different things. If there's like a little like bubble that pops up, explaining what everything is on the sheet. Yeah, so that's you have, huge. you know, panel divinity because you're a cleric. You know, and you're like, what is that? And you click on it and it will bring up a little side panel that mm-hmm. has the full explanation of it. Yeah. So even if you want to like roll your dicey click clacks, like you can do that and still mm-hmm. use like the digital version because it does. The explainers are so amazing. When I was playing D&D, I don't play D&D very often. It's like a running joke how often I play D&D because it's like every two years I play for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I remember why I don't really play D&D very often because <laughs> um, it's just not my bag, baby. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever play again without having that interface on D&D Beyond because it, when we played the game over pandemic, it was just so easy. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm a little rusty on the... Oh, oh, there we go. Like, it didn't matter that I hadn't read it in, like, three years. I have purged a lot of my how-to-play D&D knowledge because there's a, yeah. a thing now. Like, so now I can commit it to Vampire. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> which I need much more. Yeah, absolutely. So something I'd also like to touch on with this topic is you ever notice that when you have new players or or when you're mixing like new players and vets, you have like the person who steps up and does everything. And then you have the person who's the wallflower and then the person who does okay. What I advise is, and I do this as an actress, like you have to be aware of how much is the other person engaging with me? Like if I notice that Clara is not talking much in the game, I'll be like, hey, Clara's character, like, uh, what do you think of this? Like, do you want to try, you know, like find ways to ask someone else to try to do something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and don't just make it just about you or the one player who does everything. Like try to find ways to, to encourage those players to make them feel important. And that like, yeah, you can do this even if you're brand new. Oh yeah. That like one of the questions, like what do the new players need to encounter every, I feel like really easy, uh, like easy way to shoehorn in an encounter have the players negotiate their finder's fee or whatever their quest is going to be. Mm-hmm. That gives you a chance to give everyone a chance to talk or give that, like, whatever the thing to do, whatever the call to action is, 
have the players be give the players the moment to like negotiate it. Yeah, because negotiations yeah. are so easy to do as a as RP. Yeah, and if you can like like I came up with like okay, I'm going to do this adventure for this group, and then I'm like okay, and who do we have here? We got a bard. Okay, so what if I made it so that they don't like adventurers in this town, but they love a good song and dance. <laughs> and so if you want to get doesn't. this job, you're going to have to song and dance. A musical yeah. number. You know? Yeah, and this player jumped at that. Mm-hmm. That's the reason she played a bard. And then another one of my friends, it was her first game, and she was like, I'm not... So she kind of like was watching and like, I'm not really sure what to do. And they're trying to figure out this thing. She's playing a druid. and. She's like, I want to go down by the docks where this whole thing went down and see if there are any cats. They're goddamn right there's a cat. (laughs) Goddamn right she's going to talk to the cat. Yeah, (laughs) that cat can talk back to you. Exactly. And now it's her familiar. Like, like, think about what they want as their their fantasy for that character and then give it to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let them do it. Especially just little stuff like that. Like, you don't have to let them win at everything. You want there to still be challenges. But really look at the character they made and why they made it. Because, like, they might not remember that they fought a bunch of stuff and did it. But they're going to remember that musical number that they sang in that tavern to make that town like them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to remember that cat forever. Yes. Forever. Cat, my name is Toby. Well, that's what the humans call me anyway. My real name is Destroyer of Worlds. Mm-hmm. People remember funny moments. Oh my god! And yes. like scary, dramatic moments. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and really personalized. Yeah, yes, yeah. Like, like if you tap into what about that character, like why they made that character, like it is so meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really interesting. Kind of going back to that first campaign when I was playing that that warlock, but it was, she was a. a cleric of the Raven Queen, which is kind of, the, she wasn't really a warlock. It was, I don't know, it was a thing. Mm-hmm. But it was basically inspired by my World of Warcraft character. Mm-hmm. But I made that character to be very much about balance of life and death. They fucked up the Raven Queen lore later on because at the time when I started playing, they didn't really have any, so I got to make it all up. Nice. So she was very, like, balance of life and death. Like, death is part of life. It wasn't all evil, like, everyone needs to die. So Stu did a really great job of kind of, like, having that balance of, like, when you know there would be moments where I could have maybe saved someone, but then it was like, no, this is this is what's meant to happen. And it wasn't evil. It wasn't like, no, I love people dying. It was like, no, this is their time. It was sort of inspired by anybody who did like me. It was like one of my favorite. Oh, oh, yeah. So I love that. It was sort of not like kind of goofy like that, but like very much like, hey, you. This is part of what is a part of the world. So mm-hmm. yeah. that was very much that's, inspired to me. That's the goddess of death in my world. Yeah. Do you want to work with me on that? I would love it. Yes! I have so many pages written for that. But that was very much like what inspired it. And so, but there were great moments too where I don't know if Stu planned it or if it was just like Happy's character was a cleric of Hummus and like very like, like so like we we would like get friction all the time between our two characters because of our differing views on things. Mm-hmm. And I would sometimes get upset if people like saved someone, like used a bunch of magic to keep someone from dying. If it was like not a player character usually, but like <laughs> if it was like, I'd be like, oh, this is a good NPC that like, they could have died and it would have been interesting. And it's like, no. And then it, I don't know. It was just it was great. The time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like it would have been really easy to not lean into that very much. And leaning into that made that character really because that's what I wanted with that character. 
knowing that as a as a DM really made the experience really special. Yeah. So picking out those small things. Great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and just pulling that there. So also I got to mention uh Still Like Me, which no one ever talks about anymore. And it's so good. It's so <laughs> good. I love the yeah. show. The your new player session does not start when everyone sits at the table. It does start a few weeks before. If you're me, it starts about three hours before everyone sits at the table where you get to reach out to your players and go like, what do you want? We talk a lot about having session zeros mm-hmm. for our games. That's a great time to tell, make sure everyone knows how the game works. But it also is a good time to get the information of like, what are you looking for out of a game? What did you imagine for your character? Because there's, it is hard to cater to the things that players want to do when a lot of players who who come into a game don't always know yeah. what they're about until they inhabit the character anyway. Yeah, so, you, you can yeah. write as much as you want on your character, but till you get it on that, mm-hmm. get that character on their feet, you do not know what they're going to be yeah. like. Yeah, especially if you're a brand new player, mm-hmm. you may not even know. You might write a big backstory and like have no. It's it's so hard to like explain or like understand what it's about. So you're there doing it. Yes. Like Renfair is a great example of it. Like all these weird experiential things mm-hmm. that make no sense when you just try and tell someone what it is yeah. until they are there themselves. Yeah. And or like, even oh, like cool. watching an actual play is only going to give you like the surface of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it gets so much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney, I LARP and it's like, I cannot explain to you or take a <laughs> yeah. single photo of what it looks like and make how it feels as a comparison. No, yeah. and, and you especially deal with people making new characters and entering the game for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of like, part of what I do for our LARP is approve backstories. Mm-hmm. And one of those things is people come up to me with like pages and pages of backstory. I'm like, I love this. I love that you fleshed out this character. I promise you, you don't just give me a high concept and a low concept fate style because you're going to get in the world and it's almost not going to matter. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're going to be newer. You're going to get new experiences mm-hmm. and that's going to inform who you become. Yeah. And no one's going to want to sit there while you explain your three hours yep. of backstory. Yeah. Only the NPC that I sent out specifically to listen <laughs> right. to your backstory because you love to talk about yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a great example. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like what works for LARP works for TTRPGs. Oh, yeah. Bring it. If easy, easy RP. NPCs bring in a storyteller who wants to hear a sad story. Mm-hmm. You're done. Yeah. You did it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you got fifty. Do you have an hour to kill? I need to hear a sad yeah, story. You, know you somebody, rogue. Yeah, you know somebody who's like put just blood, sweat, and tears into their backstory. Have somebody ask them who they are, where they're from, why they're so sad. Yeah. So sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One question I got recently from a friend of mine was I'm afraid to play. I've turned a couple people down because I'm afraid I'm going to piss off everybody at the table. And I want to say your friends are inviting you because this is such a unifying experience of joy Mm -hmm. and they want to share that with you. And that's why you're there. You're not going to piss everybody off. And if you do piss anybody off, then me and I'll kick them in the dick. No, no. Why are they scared? They're going to piss people off. That scares me a little bit. That's possible. As they, as because they, she doesn't know the rules. Okay. She doesn't different. know what the dice. So. Oh, no, 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 okay. no. That's super that's different. different. That's super different. Absolutely. Anyone who gets mad at you for being new at something is a shitty person. Yeah. 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 That is super different. Yeah. If, although, if someone is like, hey, we don't like your play style, and your response is, I'm just kind of an asshole, and you go, that, that's, that's you, what my character would do. That's yeah. what my character would do. We've got a problem. Yeah. But no, no one, 
Yeah, not yeah. yeah, not not knowing the rules is definitely not gonna ruin yeah. anyone who's worth yes. your time's yeah. like everyone yeah. starts at some point. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts new and not knowing what the heck they're yeah. doing. And then there's people like me who can't remember the rules. So every time I sit down is a new experience and I will remember <laughs> it. Even when I'm jamming, I'm like, I have to like crash course all the rules right before the session. I'm like, what okay. And we give advice on this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that can be good advice. Like, if, no, you, yeah. if you know you have a shitty memory, have the cheat sheets ready, go over it. When I was ro- running One Ring, I literally had like pages of of cheat sheets and stuff that I'd found to remind myself of different things. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I can remember all the Tolkien lore because for some <laughs> reason that's all sealed in my brain, like oh, sure. all the ages. But I, like, what, what dice do I roll for this right now? Okay. Yeah. By the end of the, yeah. I mean, we, we it was a 25 session campaign, so it was pretty good. But the first little bit was a little rough with the rules, but amazing. Mm-hmm. It got it got good. Like eventually, when I do something enough, I remember. Yeah, it just takes a little while. Unless I it's exalted, know. I could never remember <laughs> how to no. form a dice pool yeah. in exalted Oof. every week. Just I'm like, well, what do I roll this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might. Anyway. My next tattoo is gonna be like all of the rules for like every game I play now. <laughs> Just like this Choo-choo. hand is Dungeons and Dragons. This hand is Vampire the Masquerade, and I never will forget how no. to play this game. <laughs> my brain, like, once the rules gets in there, so good with it, but it's. Getting it inside yeah, that locked same case. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's there, it's there forever. Yeah. But it takes a while to get in there. It's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> I will say also making it super clear, like based on like what you're just saying, like making it 100% clear, saying it out loud at the table and telling the new players ahead of time, it is okay to stop and ask questions. Yes. And yes. it's okay to look stuff up. I think that that's a big fear that what you were describing, Ingie. A lot of people are like, I don't want to like stop and mess everything up by asking questions. It's like, no, like I'm going to ruin everyone else's game. Yeah, I don't no, know. I don't know. We want you to be here because we love you. Yeah. and We want to yeah. share this with you. And yes. if you are really good at planning ahead, plant someone to ask a question before them. Ooh. Like, have someone that's there. Funny. Like I do this with my classes. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or I'll like the first week or two, like I'll be like, it's okay. I make mistakes too. If you see, catch a mistake of mine, like writing on the board or whatever, you get a blue slip because those are our little like tokens in class. So I'll actually purposely make mistakes the first week nice. and see like, and like <laughs> kind of build up that bravery for a student to like point out that I made a mistake. Like I'll misspell something or I'll leave a word out when I'm writing on the board. And eventually it usually takes a couple of days. Like the first time you just see them all like kind of look at each other and nobody says anything. <laughs> and then I'll be like, oh, oh, I made a mistake here. Wish someone had pointed that out and I like go in and fix it. And then it slowly warms up to like, okay, then the next one, like there's always like some kid who's like, oh, oh, oh. And they raise their hand and you're like, yes, yeah, you left out the word the right there. Oh, I did. Here's a blue slip. Okay. And then like you build that up. So if you normalize asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. It's great. It helps me and it helps everybody. Good job. So if you normalize it, the same thing we've kind of been doing with like X cards and things like that, showing them and having someone who's braver or is experienced to do it first breaks that ice so that new person doesn't feel like they have to be the one asking the first question. I love that. I also now terrified you're manipulating me all the time now. <laughs> Here's a blue slip there. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I do like blue slip. Yeah. Please, you can buy slime rewards. at the end of the week. It's great. <laughs> no, you can't. I don't have slime in my classroom. It's a lie. Clara really wants Hold on. Yeah. This leads into the next, que- into the next uh, mailbag thing, but I do have to ask if I GM more, do I get slime at the end of the session? <laughs> 
I will give you slime, yes. Depending on how many sessions you cancel. Oh, shit. I'm never never getting slime, huh? I love you. I love the idea of having a Happy Jack's, like, Benny board. (laughs) You got little tokens. Okay. You get four bottle caps if you GM a game. (laughs) You can turn it in for a beat. You get ten. This works. No, I think it's worth token economy. (laughs) Amazing. No, I like this. Sarah really likes this. I can tell. I'm really, really motivated by tiny little trinkets. Mm -hmm. It's one of the many ways I'm just a goblin. Just tiny little things that tiny I can play with. Things. Well, look, shiny quick left. Yeah. I know why I got into I got math into rocks. I got into tabletops because of the math rocks mm-hmm. and the math rocks alone. Do and then I discovered how to work rocks. with resin and I made math rocks myself. Ooh. And I'm a god. Yes, you are. I yeah. want to, but then I see how much time and effort and supplies go into that. I'm just like, oh, I can't. <laughs> I wish it was easier. Consider get a craft collective together. Oh. Like the one. Oh! Yeah. No, but like, can you just make dice with this stuff? In? Can I just come over and we'll pour stuff? Yeah, it's terrible. Don't do it. Don't get into crafting. It is a bad hobby. You will never have rent money for drugs. <laughs> accurate. Rent your so, drugs. Yeah. So accurate. So much crafting. You won't have money for dice if you get into crafting. Yeah, but you'll be that scary. Yeah. I don't understand people who get one one set of dice and then and then stop. Yeah. What's wrong with you? That's yeah. Sociopath behavior. Yeah. Sociopath. Or people who have one hobby. What's that like? I don't, I don't know. know anyone who only has oh. one hobby, honestly. It's weird. There are so I'm certainly not friends with anyone. Who <laughs> just one hobby. If you have one hobby, it's fine. We love you anyway. We, we love and respect you if your one hobby is TTRP. Yeah, like free. It. Yeah. All right. Mailbag <laughs> number two. <laughs> All right. Are we, we going to have to like roll for it see who reads us? Damn it. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Cold reading. Not my specialty. Let's just... Dear Captain Kimmy and the crew of the HMS Happy Jacks, it is I, the occasional host, once and future queen of the Discord Rose. While I may be seething and scheduling imposed exile, know that my heart is with you all uncomfortably close and beating a little too loud. (laughs) Now, this may come as a surprise, but I have what doctors refer to as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or as I call it, bees in my brain. Never heard of it. (laughs) Since I usually GM, this hasn't been too much of an issue. GMing is extremely engaging and leaves me little time for my mind to wander. However, that constant stream of engagement lessens when I'm in the player's seat. Now I find that I vacillate. What? I don't know this word. Uh, I zone up for two seconds and I've lost where we are. Anyway, I struggle. Thank you. I'm I'm learning a new word. What does that word mean? Teach me. <laughs> uh, go just anyway. Anyway, I'm struggling to focus on what's happening again. What's happening again? The table and being a bit of a spotlight hog. Filling dead air is a useful thing when you're GMing, but is a bit less appreciated when you're a player that talks as much as the GM. So for those of you who also have a head full of bees or play with people who are cranial apiarists, how do you maintain the balance? All the best. Queen of the Discord, Rose. P.S. I'm proud to announce that I'll be running a GM workshop in person for my work at Redacted for My Privacy. I want to thank you. (laughs) I want to thank the podcast and the community for helping me get this far. 
I never have learned how to be a GM when I got into the hobby 12 years ago without the show and its incredible community. And the class I'll be teaching is a distillation of lessons learned from you all over the years. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all. PPS, cheers. Cheers. Thank you, Rose. My brain went on your reading your email as it's doing right now. It's amazing. It's fine. This is why reading is hard. Cold reading is super hard. Yeah. People are always like, like sometimes people are like studying. It's like, yeah, that's because we read it cold. It's brand new. We haven't mm-hmm. rehearsed it. We haven't. I Eyes, that, brain, and mouth move at different speeds. They do. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Absolutely. It's very hard. Especially with all the different styles of writing we get mm-hmm. in the emails and the different phrasings and yeah. misspellings. Learning and the, new yeah. words. And sometimes you have to do the funny voices. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do like doing the funny voices. Oh, yeah. yeah that's oh, one yeah. of my favorite parts. But the yeah. question is about staying focused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I think we have noticed we have difficulty with that too. That's okay. Bring it back. So that, was back. that was perfect. That was so perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. I am a professional. Thank you. All right. See, so tips for staying focused in doing what you're doing because Clara you were talking before the show you had an interesting tip if you're playing on camera specifically if you are a TTRPG streamer or just want to pretend you are maintaining eye contact with the camera my secret is baby stim videos (laughs) it sounds weird when I say it now baby stim videos five minute craft compilations things where people are doing things that do not matter on screen I put them I if your bandwidth is good enough I put them underneath the camera and I watch. And so like, there's always, essentially, you know, when people are taking photos of children and they have like a squeaky toy, they're like, hey, look over here. It's that. It does that for me. Huh? I see my mind wander and then there's like a little flashing light. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I can look back. at It's it's stupid, mm-hmm. but it works really well. <laughs> Kimmy had a really good one for that too. Yeah. This is legit too. A lot of very well-known streamers put googly eyes on their webcam because it's, it's 100% a true thing because our brains are programmed to make eye contact. We have to make eye contact and our brains are tricked by googly eyes. So you will look at your webcam more if you have little googly eyes and you, you will stay more focused on it than if you don't have googly eyes there. So, like, legit, a lot of people, a lot of streamers won't tell you that we don't have Google eyes here because we look at each other Mm -hmm. because we're, like, gaming all together. But a lot of solo streamers or streamers who are alone, even if they're playing games collaboratively online, want to be focused on their webcam. So they put little googly eyes. But yeah, there is... (laughs) Such a protest. I love that. There is no shame. First of all, if you are running a table and you have ADHD players at the table, there's... They, it is not a sign of disrespect if they are not looking at you or if they are doodling or if they are playing a tap-tap game on their phone of some kind. Mm-hmm. It, that is part of it. Like, you can split your brain. I always say that they're, like, memory slots. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. need cer- a certain amount of slots filled before I can pay, like, so I can focus on the final one. Mm-hmm. I have a lot yeah. of the the little, like, fidget toys. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> not pencils, but I have little cube ones that I really love. Those are my favorites. Like mess around you can find different ones i'm an expert in fidgets little poppets are really awesome Uh, my rule in my classroom i mean they're kids so they've got small like you can have a poppet but it can't be any bigger than your hands because otherwise they bring the giant ones that like i love the sheets yeah they have giant sheet ones 
But my favorite are the little cube ones because they have one side that's like a little like like Turner. Mm-hmm. They have one side that's like a little a like clicky in the button. There's a clicky one. There's one that's a little rolly ball. Yeah. And there's one that's like a little joystick. Mm-hmm. That, that's my favorite one. I like do the little joystick. So those are great. And those are also pretty quiet at the table. I actually used to use those when we were gaming in person before we started streaming. Streaming has given me something else to focus on. <laughs> yeah. It's been amazing for me. Honestly, my focusing at the table is like making sure, okay, voice levels or playing. It's mm-hmm. made me a much more engaged as a player. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my personal favorite thing. It's the little, the little, little cube ones. I, yeah, I have a hard time playing because I'm sitting at my thousand dollar distraction machine. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I have two monitors. And so the game's going on over here and I start doing stuff over here. And I am completely paying attention most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'll get distracted a little bit and stuff like that. And I don't like it. I I, I was just showing Kimmy, I like to use these pen pencils. <laughs> and because they they it's vibrate close. when you... Well, look closer to the mic so you can hear when you spin them. them. We can hear it. Don't worry. <laughs> right. I was going to say, non-sound making squishy uh, fidget toys, mm-hmm. I feel like, are very important for a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So for me, I just play online on Discord with friends every Thursday. And I'm just in bed by myself. I don't have to like be on like on a camera. And I've noticed that if I'm scrolling something where I need to read, my attention just I don't yeah. hear anything at the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. So I will browse Etsy because I can just look nice. at the pretty pictures. Oh. Kurt Potts is talking about that too. Is yeah. that gaming uh-huh. Etsy bad combo? Just shopping because you're not reading, you're looking at the visuals. I also love to do crafting. My GM actually mm-hmm. gave me this adorable little needle point. So I'm just I'm doing something with my hands mm-hmm. that requires my focus, but it doesn't require me to to like comprehend sentences yeah. that are different than the sentences I'm listening to. So that's what I like to yeah, do. Yeah, if I can distract my hands and my eyes, then my ears are free to listen. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends from uh, another group who knit. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. They're listening too. to speakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've done knitting, yeah. During the drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was between. ADHD medications or something as well. So I was just having a hard time. And I ended up bringing my a keyboard for my iPad. And I decided I was just going to become the most studious note taker. Yeah. Because if you're taking notes, you can't talk over anyone because you have to hear what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. So I became like full, I went full stenographer and it was just oh, yeah. the only way that I could because uh, it was a fidget. Yeah. But it forced me to pay attention. Yeah. And I couldn't interrupt people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's I have... hard. Online games are so much harder for me. Yeah. Mia, really? definitely. Mm-hmm. I have somebody at my in person game and she takes studious notes and then turns it into a first person story, like observation mm-hmm. of what happened. But it also is like all the NPCs' names, like the boats, the yeah. taverns, the goat's name, you know, like it's. Really great, so I give her extra XP for that. Yeah, yeah. it solves two problems. Yeah. Um, also, like, I know it's probably not... I am not a medical doctor. I'm going to start <laughs> off with that. <laughs> okay. But at, with ADHD, I f- focus so much better if I'm caffeinated. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, I'm, God, yes. Like, on top of my ADHD medication. So, like, eat right right now, I, like, big energy drink right before the show. Mm-hmm. And it won't stop me from sleeping because I'm super-powered and I will sleep no matter what. But having a bunch of caffeine and a, some sort of stimulant in my system, you, I'm not a doctor. You pick whatever one you want. is good for <laughs> you. Balance, make good life choices. But 
that makes it so much easier for me to stay focused. If I'm tired or if I am not on, if I don't have some sort of stimulant in my system, whether it's my prescribed one or whatever, I have a zero. It's so much harder for me. Yeah, on my way here for the Pinnacles game this mm-hmm. afternoon, I was really falling asleep and I realized I have been taking this ADD medication and they warned me to take it at night for like the first week or so because it will make you tired. And so I decided today was a good day to start taking it in the morning and, and after a night of not sleeping very well. And I was on my way over here and I'm like, oh, I really need to stop off and like grab a coffee. And I grabbed a coffee and I slammed it. <laughs> I, haven't had, I don't think I've had that much sugar in a really long time. <laughs> but I got in here and Sarah was feral and I joined her <laughs> or them. Yes. And oh my God, it was it was a really great game though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was an amazing game today. Yeah, all those things. One thing, a friend of mine used to do like origami mm-hmm. at the table, which was amazing to watch. <laughs> As someone who had ADHD next to them, that was a little hard for me because I was like, wow. Ah. I'm sorry, what just happens? Yeah. They made a crane. Did you all just see that they made a crane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they made a crane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now I can make cranes without instructions, which is cool. Nice. But just little uh, like things like that. I think I tend towards more like crafting things. Anything with a screen in front of me, my brain shuts off almost. Even just scrolling pictures of stuff, I get so focused in on it. So that doesn't work well for me. But anything tactile, I do really well. They have um, these stickers now that are, they're like kind of sandpapery feeling and they're in different yeah. shapes. Mm. And you can get them, yeah, and you put them in different shapes. There's like little figure eight ones and there's like a whole bunch of little triangle ones. And I love that. And I can just sit forever and just run my fingers in these little shapes and like count specific mm. numbers of times. I my, I tap my fingers in different parts of the number or whatever it is and like keep that pattern going for like an hour and a half <laughs> and just make sure it's in the exact same order every time. When I say it out loud, it sounds a lot worse than it. No, I feel it. No, yeah. I'm like, that it, sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> very much like, uh, I, I am not a doctor. Um, very much like figuring out what meds work for you when you have ADHD. Figuring out what fidgets work for you is a huge part of exploring how to exist in the, having that neurodivergence. Like Kimmy's saying like, oh, um, having a tactile thing. I can't repeatedly brush something. It makes my brain go crazy. Uh-huh. So. Like I need something that is amorphous and squishy. Oh. So I have, I got, I kept getting advertised. So I got specs, which are like metal ball. I think I, I brought them to yeah, Big Bad Con uh-huh. and like I split them up and let other people play with them and stuff. Yeah. But it was just, it was just being able to squish it and have something squishy that wasn't going to mm-hmm. be wet and gross was super helpful. But at home I have Silly Putty mm-hmm. and a very squishy cat. And so like, sometimes I will hold my cat and squish her. And that's different, but like she's also full of bees. She's also full of bees, bees. so it does work. But like figuring out what works for you as a fidget is also part of that journey, which sounds crazy when I say it like that. (laughs) Like not everyone's on a journey. Mm -hmm. Try a clicky thing, but like they make silent clicky things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not streaming, it doesn't matter. Especially if you're playing remote, you can just like mute your your mic and make as much noise as you fucking want, and it's amazing. That is true. Yeah. And then forget to unmute. And, and then, I mean, still, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, but also, if you're on Discord, you can walk around. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. Yes. If you can, you can pace and play d Holy shit. Yeah, so good. <laughs> One thing, too, your chair matters a lot. Mm-hmm. I have to sit very high. We have very, like, adjustable chairs here <laughs> in the studio specifically for that. 
I have to feel very high and above everything to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I don't shut up. <laughs> I know there's a lot of like, I'm sure there's psychological things in that, but it also like with my ADHD helps me focus and helps me like take in all the things that are happening at the same time. Some people I know like sitting lower or like slouching or if you're puja, I love them, but they like lean. I do this. And they then, do. And then I do. Yeah. And then <laughs> by the end of any game puja's in is like everyone's leaning. It's true. It is absolutely true. If you're listening to the podcast right now, we're all leaning. I love you. We love you. We love you. So we lean away. Yeah. Yeah. I will find the opposite points on a die and then spin it. Yeah. Yeah. I also have coins that I use for Benny's in uh, Savage Worlds, and I will stack them over and over again. Mm -hmm. The the classic art of dice stacking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Having, they have a whole bunch of different, this is like, a very teacher thing, but they have a whole bunch of different seats also that you can have like for neurodivergence. So they have these little pillar seats that are on like a little bit of a rocker. So you can rock back and forth like the yoga balls sitting on that can sometimes be mm-hmm. really great. And you can like little bounce or like swing your legs or spin or roll. Like I used to be like <laughs> the, like, yeah. When I sit on a roll as a yoga ball, I always end up doing like this circle thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, that's a great thing too. It can really help you stay engaged physically. And yeah, so I don't know. There's a lot of tactile things, not just with your hands, like uh, with fidgets, but also with your seating, the way you're sitting, the way you're processing information. Sometimes actually, if you're at a table, listening through headphones can make it so you focus better. Mm -hmm. So if you're, I mean, if you're streaming, it's a lot easier to do that. But depending on what it is, thinking of different ways to wear headphones or things like that or filter out other sounds or add other sounds in that can be helpful if you have like white noise happening behind you or something like that can really help to like Claire was saying it's all it's experiment (laughs) experimenting (laughs) finding what works for you because there are so many things that you can do that would be helpful to you and like really hurtful to someone else as far as they're paying attention so yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, it's neurodivergence is weird. Again, as if you are at a table and you have ADHD players separating yourself from the idea that they need to be making eye contact. Uh, first of all, you're not making eye contact with them. You're looking at your guide. I promise. Yeah. Like you're looking at your notes. <laughs> um, but like, if, like I said, like some people just need a freaking phone game. I play a lot of solid, not solitaire, um, Sudoku. And it has nothing to do with my GM. It has nothing to do with anyone else. It is fully just like i can't look at you and pay attention that's weird mm-hmm. i don't make eye contact <laughs> eye contact Gross. eye contact what's that what am i murder because <laughs> <laughs> then you do it and then you have to figure out how many times you blink mm-hmm. and like what's a normal amount of blinking for like <laughs> people <laughs> yes Oh my God, I think I blinked too much, but now I can't stop blinking. <laughs> yeah, I never thought about it. So I'm going to think of it every time. Thank right. you, Clara. Yeah. Um, Can they hear it? Oh, oh, no, stop, stop that. No, misophonia, not okay. Ruined. Done. Ruined the quit. I think that's a really important point that we actually haven't hit on is clearly communicating that you have ADHD or some other neurodivergence to Mm -hmm. everybody, but specifically the GM. Because it can be, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago, as a GM, we all have a little bit of imposter syndrome. So it can be hard if you see someone like looking down a lot 
and you're just like, oh, they're having a terrible time. I'm doing an awful job as a GM. I'm the worst ever. I can't believe this. And then it's like, if you know ahead of time, oh, they're doing that, then you know not to worry about it so much. Just like, I've been talking so much about teaching tonight, but same thing if I know there are students in my class who like have these different things they need with sensory toys and things like that. I actually hand out poppets to everybody on the first day. Mm -hmm. So everybody has one, even if they don't know if they need one. And some of them throw them away and never use them. And some of them use them for the rest of the year until they wear out and have to give them a new one. But just communicating that and knowing which kids need that, I know, hey, they're not, they're looking down, but they are paying attention 100%. Mm -hmm. Just knowing that about the players just takes a load off too. And you don't have to try and mask so much as an ADHD or neurodivergent player if you've communicated what you're doing and why to everyone else, because no one's feelings are going to be hurt that way. Yeah. My last very stupid trick for if you are a GM with imposter syndrome and you have a cool and you have a game group who's amenable to this or you trust. I cannot, if you're on Discord, find an emote that you all agree is a symbol for like, am I doing okay? Mm-hmm. It's really, really silly. But like on one of my, one of my channels, it is a um, pineapple and it just, it's a <laughs> weird little pineapple guy. And it, it's something that I can send to my friends. And if I'm having like, am I talking too much? Am I, I am having an insecure moment as a GM or as a player. And I need reassurance that I'm not fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And I don't need it to be audible. I don't need it to be verbal or anything. It's nice when it is. But sometimes, like, we'll be doing something, I'll just send a pineapple, like, are you okay? And everyone's like, you're fine. Everything's fine. You're good. So it's silly, but, like, being able to have that shorthand with your group is also so important because it does, it's, it's like the X card. It doesn't mm-hmm. take anything away from the game. It just is a way to check in with each other mm-hmm. and change and ensure that everyone is having a good time. Yeah. Even the GM. Yeah, absolutely. There's one point in when we were playing murmurs at the abyss were and this is when i realized i'm like i i probably shouldn't do online ap's because i was just like really struggling with focusing as a player i can gm online i really struggle with playing online where something happened and there's just this painful silence and it's just like me sitting there going i I think someone i still don't know to this day because i haven't been brave enough to go back and listen to it Mm -hmm. and i just think that i screwed up because there was this like painful silence and all of us were sitting there and the whole time i was panicking i almost started crying because like I think someone had a, I think someone asked me something. And now I've waited too long to ask if somebody asked me oh, something. No. And now we're all, I'm just going to sit here and we're all just going to sit here and I don't know what to do. And I'm like calm looking and I'm just like having this inner like, like, like my soul is just like vaporizing inside of me and nobody there knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, learn from my mistake. Just ask. Like if there's a silence and people are kind of looking around and you're like, oh, I think I missed something. I wasn't. And you pop out of that ADHD, like focus on something else. Feel free to ask. Like, it's okay to ask Mm -hmm. everyone at the table. Be understanding. Like, I'm sorry. Did somebody just say something to me? I know I'm like two feet from you, (laughs) but I was on another planet at that moment. And like, and I got better after that because I really like made like a point of starting to take notes and some other things that kind of helped me stay focused. But I also realized, hey, Online streaming play might not be up as a player for me. <laughs> so then I like ran things and organized things behind the scenes for most of the pandemic. <laughs> but yeah, like it can be really scary too in those moments to to own up to it and be like, I despite all my best efforts and you being great players and you being a great GM, I checked out for that moment and I don't know what just happened. Can you please tell me? 
mm-hmm. and like having everyone have that normalization of like that's okay and it's not a, a it's not a reflection on you. Yeah, that's just yeah. what my brain do. Yeah, it's yeah. not a slight on us in any way. You're not a bad person. You're not a bad player. Like these are just these things. And I think fighting out against those kind of like old school expectations, like oh, you have to know your you know your action before it's your turn, like things like that. And yes, that's helpful in an ideal world. That would happen. Mm-hmm. None of us live in an ideal world. That doesn't always happen. We live in ADHD land. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, and just. Even the most neurotypical people have bad days. Mm -hmm. So just like giving everybody their grace and a little bit of space and like being understanding, like it's, it goes such a long way to having a a enjoyable experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hope hope we answered that question. Did we answer? I think we did. I think we did. Yeah. I think so. I I honestly was not recording the last (laughs) (laughs) one. No, that's not true. I remember. Yeah. But I I think we gave a, a, a good variety of things. It's also interesting. There's new stuff happening all the time. People are constantly coming up with new ways to to, to handle neurodiversity. So it's something that's constantly changing. Like mm-hmm. the when I first started teaching years ago, they just were not a thing. And then slowly but surely <laughs> they started popping up a little bit. And it was one of those things where it, like sometimes you can buy silly putty for your one student who might have attention deficit disorder. You know, and it's it's progressed so much since then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, there's all the different ones. And you yeah. like throwing them at children. I, I, buy, I buy them in bulk and I give them out at the beginning of the year. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. I'm going to take the, I'm going to bring a box to a con. Yeah, you can yeah. bring it to Orc Con. It's just me and a box of fidgets. Yeah, like, I, I have a pack of a hundred, like the nine poppets, the nine poppet poppets. The three really by three, but now yeah, I yeah. just want one. Yeah, they're, they're honestly the, the reason I give them out is because they are the, the most uh, cost effective mm-hmm. <laughs> on a teacher's salary when you're giving them out. Away. You, you pick the most cost effective one and it works for a lot of them. And then, yeah, kind of work from there. I'm going to get a treasure chest. I'm just going to bring it to work club now. <laughs> like, here's the fidget chest. Yeah. Figure it out. And you have to start a token economy. <laughs> then I'll start my token yeah. economy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Orc-con bucks. You've come yeah. closer to right. Orc bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get you say it fast, it's going to be people like, you're giving out orc butts? What? what? Orc, orc butts. butts. Yeah. That's right. Orc butts. I'm going to get kicked out of orc <laughs> Nah. Feed around 80%. Nah, it'll be fine. Jim's a friend. Be like, oh, I know Jim. <laughs> All right. We don't take kindly to people with orc butts. <laughs> <laughs> Or do we? We don't judge. We don't get shame. It's fine. Oh, I, I judge because I know that Clara will go home tonight and draw an adorable little orc butt and turn it into a pin. Yeah, you right now. And you should send it to Jason. Jason is yeah. very into orc, <laughs> orc characters. <laughs> I'm say that right now. Of the people I know who play TTRPGs, I don't know that many who are not into orc butts. It's <laughs> accurate. Is, yeah, let's let's yeah. be honest yes. here. Uh, muscle mommy orc butts the, the yeah, monster manual exactly what it is. Yep. <laughs> the monster manual is D&D hinge yep. alright I think that's a good place to end tonight's episode orc butt, orc butt. <laughs> thank you for joining us for season 33 episode 7 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast please support our amazing indie designer of the month Christopher Gray at sunderedhold.com and Thank you to our chat mod, James B, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. My name is Kimmy. I'm Clara. I'm Angie. And I'm Courtney. Don't forget, we are going to be at Strategicon, or OrcCon, OrcBuds! OrcBuds! Um, 
February 16th through the 18th um, at the Hilton LAX. So come play games with us. It's very fun. Come join our live show, which will be even wilder than this, if that's possible. <laughs> there will uh, be orc butts. Orc butts. Orc butts. I cannot guarantee orc no, butts. Okay. Now I there want might to. be. Orc- I'm there- guaranteeing that you will make orc butts. <laughs> there will be. Okay. <laughs> there may be orc butts. We'll see. We'll see. All right. This week, we're going to leave you with a song. We're going to leave you with The Wellerman, but not the famous one from TikTok. This one is by Stu Venable and the Netbusker Folk Shop. And you can find their music at netbusker.net. All right. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week. Bye, Bye, Becca. Bye. Bye, Becca. We love you. There once was a ship that put to sea, and the name of the ship was the Billy of Tea. The winds blew up her bow, dip down, oh blow, my bully boys blow. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tongue is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore when down on her a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale in tow. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Before the boat had hit the water, the whale's tail came up and caught her. All hands to the side harpooned and fought her when she dived down low. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. No line was caught, the whale was freed. The captain's mind was not of greed, but he belonged to the wellermen's creed. He took that ship in tow. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. For forty days or even more, the line went slack, then tight once more. All boats were lost, there were only four, but still that whale did go. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. As far as I've heard, the fight's still on, the line's not cut, and the whale's not gone. The wellerman makes his regular call to encourage captain, crew, and all. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Soon may the wellermen come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Ah. This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts. 